if you have, if you have your Bible, uh, turn to um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Well, it's a delight to be here again, and uh, it, it's hard to believe that our time is coming to the end, at least for this trip here. And uh, tomorrow we'll be driving back to Georgia. And uh, I want to thank the Harper for taking us on, you know, those past few weeks. And uh, they've been treating us like royalty, spoiling us. And I'm afraid we won't survive when we go back to Georgia. <laughs> it take a, probably a week of adjustment. But, uh, you know, they've been really good to us, and we really enjoyed being with them. And uh, I also want to thank the church. Thank you for your love offering during mission conference. Uh, thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your prayers. And I told preacher the other day, uh, I think it was mid last week, that, you know, I really feel, I really feel at home here. You know, it's, it's, you know, I feel like this is my second home church. And uh, so, so it's a blessing to be here. I want to thank preacher for allowing me to uh, preach the word of God tonight. And, um, and I never take it for granted when a, when a pastor gives me his pulpit. I, I know it means a lot. And uh, I really pray that uh, tonight it will be a blessing to you. Now, what I like to do tonight, and, and I know, you know, it was planned to be a preaching, but, um, you know, I, I had a few sermons prepared that I usually preach, uh, but there, there is just a thought that God has put on my heart the last couple of months, I think, maybe two or three months. I mean, more heavily than before. And... Um, and, you know, I, I, I thought first I would go to preach, you know, some of those messages that I have. I couldn't get off this topic. So I think God wanted me to share this. Now, this is not, it, it would be more like, a, more like a Bible study than preaching. I just want to show you something. And, um, and I hope that will be a help. And it certainly changed me. And, and, uh, and I trust that it will help you. And so that's what I want to do tonight. So we'll we be looking quite a bit in the scriptures and uh, I heard an old preacher say it once that sometimes, uh, he said that sometimes a preacher is like a cloud, you know, that uh, gathers the vapor and then pours the rain. <laughs> and uh, so that's a little bit what I'll be doing tonight. So I will share a lot of things that I've heard, especially since we started deputation. And uh, some of those things, you know, I knew it happened, but it, it means a lot more to me now because I've met people. And, and so these are stories from people that I've met, that we've met, especially since we've been on deputation. So I'll be, you know, pouring that we, on you tonight. And there's maybe one story here that I've, I was told, so I didn't experience it personally from the person. Uh, but, but I think this is a truth that will help you because it really helped me a lot and changed my perspective in a lot of things, uh, especially as serving the Lord. So uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, so if you're there, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, here's what the scripture says, and this is a well-known verse uh, to most Christians, but especially to missionaries like us, uh, because this is a, 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 a verse that is often used to preach on the Great Commission. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, here's what the Lord says. Uh, it says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea, and in all Judea and in Samaria and on to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I want you to look at this part of the verse here where the Lord says, Ye shall be a witnesses unto me, and he says both. Uh, and then he says both in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. At that time when the Lord spoke to the disciples, he was getting ready to ascend into heaven. And so uh, he gave them a command. He says, I want you to, now that you are saved, and you know I, I, I died for the sins of the world, and I gave my life as an offering for sin, I want you to go and preach the gospel. But he was very specific. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. This is where they live. They live in Jerusalem. And for 40 days, they will stay in the upper room and wait for the promise that Jesus gave to them, that the Spirit would pour on them from on high. Uh, but Jesus said, I want you to go both to Jerusalem and the other parts, which means uh, Samaria, uh, Judea, and uh, unto all the earth, all nations. And so tonight, i like to focus on Jerusalem. I like to focus on Jerusalem. Like I said, as a missionary, we, we like, you know, we preach a lot about the uttermost parts of the, of, of the world. And here's the reason. Uh, my wife and I, we've been, I mean, for many years now, we've been involved in, in, you know, in our home church in Germany, but also here in Georgia after we moved here uh, to the States eight years ago. And uh, we've been involved, you know, in, in, in scheduled soul winning for the church, you know, going, going uh, door to door, knocking on doors. Uh, passing out tracts, and, and in the last couple of years, my wife and I will be involved in the bus ministry of our church, and obviously there's bus visitation, and, and so we, we had a busy schedule, uh, you know, for, for many years. But when we started deputation, something changed, and uh, what changed is that uh, we couldn't make it all, all the time to get into a church on Saturday to go soul winning. Uh, we, you know, we, we don't have the opportunity that we used to have in our home church to just you know, maybe every Thursday in, in, a, in, a, in a winter, our church goes soul winning on, on Thursday nights and, uh, and in the summer on Saturday. But that, that opportunity was gone. And, uh, and sure, we, when we go to a church, we try to, to get into a church early, uh, visit with the church if we can. But the truth is, we have less opportunity to go door-to-door soul winning than you ever had. And it really, it really was a shock on my system <laughs> because for almost 15 years, I mean, almost every week, you know, I went soul winning, or either bus visitation or soul winning. And so, and that's where God brought this uh, to, to my, to, uh, before me and, and truly changed me. Because I realized that even though the Lord has sent us to Germany as missionaries, uh, we might be there in two years, I hope, uh, maybe in one year from now, I hope. Uh, but who knows, you know, it might be longer, it might be shorter. But, but the point is, I'm not supposed to wait until I get to Germany before I win souls, you see. I, I'm not supposed to. Because all the people that I meet are souls that are never, never going to die. And they'll spend eternity somewhere. And so I have a duty to witness to folks that are lost, to the lost, while I'm here, uh, before I ever get to Germany. Now, how am I going to do that if I travel all the time? And so, and so I just want to share with you what God, you know, brought to my attention, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. Now, before I pray, I'd like to share with you a couple of stories, and this, these are those stories that I made. These are, all these are people that we personally met on deputation or even before. Uh, I want to share with you, uh, to speak with you tonight about uh, the, the fruitful soul winner, about a fruitful soul winner, fruitful soul winner that we've met, uh, uh, especially the last couple of months. Now, before I tell you who that is, I want to tell you a little bit about soul-winning stories of this soul-winner, and, and then I'll tell you who he is. First of all, 
uh, he led Mrs. Robinson to Christ. Now, Mrs. Robinson today, she's a missionary to Canada. And this soul winner led her to Christ. And today she serves the Lord with her husband and her family to Canada. And, and I know, we know Mrs. Robinson personally, the Robinson family. And this soul winner witnessed to a young man many years ago. He was a teenager. And you will not believe this, but this young man today is a missionary. And this church supports him. I bet you want to know who that is. I'll tell you later. So he's a missionary today, and this, and this church supports him. And this same missionary, this same soul winner, he, he witnessed, he met Brother Fires, which is, who is a pastor in Arkansas near Little Rock. And we were in Brother Fires Church uh, many, a couple of months ago. And uh, he told us the story that this very soul winner uh, witnessed to him, and Brother Fires got saved two days after he witnessed to him, because after he witnessed to Brother Fires, Brother Fires got under conviction. The Holy Spirit worked in his heart, and two days later, he trusted Christ as his Savior. Today, Brother Fives is a pastor of a very fruitful church near Little Rock, Arkansas. This same soul winner, it was through his constant witness that Brother Dale was convicted of being lost. Now, today, Brother Dale is one of our supporting pastors. He is pastor in, in, in Georgia. Now, here's the amazing thing. That very soul winner, I'm talking about the same soul winner, he went to Africa and witnessed to my mother-in-law. And God used him to bring her under conviction. She did not get saved immediately, but this was her starting journey to, to seek Christ because she realized um, she was lost. Now you ask, Brother Patrick, who is this soul winner? Well, I'll show him to you today. Here he is. <laughs> A gospel track. A gospel track. Now, all these people that I share with you are, are people that we know personally. They don't know who laid the gospel track, but they all got saved through a gospel track. And so, and so tonight, I want just to speak with you about this subject, uh, the gospel track, uh, a fruitful soul winner. Let's pray, and then I'll get into the message. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And I just pray that you will allow me to share uh, the things that you put on my heart, and, and certainly... Uh, how you've opened my eyes and maybe help me understand more about how many opportunities we have to reach the lost with the gospel. And I pray that this lesson will be a blessing. I ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, a tract is not intended to replace the personal witness. You know, the tract is not meant to replace speaking with men personally about the Savior. But a tract is just a collection of scriptures that were carefully chosen to reveal the gospel, to reveal Jesus, and lead men to Christ. Now you say, Brother Patrick, you know, how is it possible that just a tract <laughs> could save so many folks? How is it possible? Well, look with me in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Turn, turn there, if you will. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Here's what the Lord says, not my word like a, as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. You see, God says his word is like a fire. He says it, it purifies. He says his word is like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. 
You see, the word of God has power. The word of God has power. You know, if you, if you ever get down, like we all, all of us get down sometimes, and I, some, and I get down sometimes. If you ever get down, you should try to just read your Bible for like two hours. And you'll be amazed what will happen to you. You know, your spirit will be lifted up. You know, because the word of God is powerful. And God says that his word is like a hammer that breaks the rock. So when someone reads a gospel tract, there's something happening when he reads the word of God. You know, like a hammer. You see, uh, the Bible, the Bible speaks about men. You know, men are so hard, and especially lost people. Uh, sometimes you witness the lost people, and they are not awakened. There's a term means awakened, which means they, 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 don't, they don't think about their souls. You know, you ask a person, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? He says, I don't care. Now, you think, you say, you know, how can someone not care where he was spending eternity? What, is, what it is, is that their, heart, their hearts are so hard that, you know, they don't think about what they should be thinking about. They don't think about eternity. And so it takes the word of God to break the fallow ground, to make their hearts soft, so that they will think about eternity and where they'll spend eternity. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. You see, salvation is through faith in the shed blood of Lord Jesus Christ. But in Romans ten seventeen, the scripture says, says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so you see, when someone reads a tract, he reads scriptures, he reads the word of God. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, but the hearing comes to the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Turn there if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. I know I'm making you work tonight. <laughs> Back and forth. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 23. But I thought it's cold outside and need to warm you up a little bit. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I want you to notice the Bible says the word of God is alive. Yeah, it says the word of God liveth. Uh, you remember Jesus told a story about a sower that went somewhere and he took the, he took, uh, the, the grain and he just threw it in the ground. And, uh, you know, the seed is alive. And so when, when the word of God gets into your heart, it does something, it brings life to your heart. And so, and so a lost person, even though he is dead in trespasses and sins, when he reads a gospel tract, he reads the words of God, you know, there's a potential there that he might become alive when the God, word of God bears, truth, uh, bears witness to his heart. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. Turn there if you would. Isaiah chapter 55. Verse 10. Isaiah 55, verse 10. Isaiah 55, verse 10. But as the rain cometh down, and the soul from heaven, and returning not thither, but what watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bread, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. And so God says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. He shall not return to unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And so God says that his word is like the rain. 
and it says, which watereth the earth. It says it is impossible that rain falls on the ground, with, on, upon the ground without watering the ground. It's not possible. And so God says that his word always has an effect upon our hearts. You know, sometimes you might witness to someone and share with him the Bible and think, well, you know, that, 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 was, that was just a waste of time. It's never a waste of time. Because the word of God is like rains. It waters the ground. It always, always has an effect upon the heart, the word of God. And God says, so shall my word be that goeth out forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void. It shall not return void. You see, when someone reads a gospel tract, though that person may not be get saved immediately, it never returns void. It leaves an impression upon his heart. Because you cannot, you cannot read the word of God without it having an effect on your heart. It is not possible. Uh, it shall never return void. Now, John chapter 20, verse 30. John chapter 20, verse 30. John chapter 20, verse 30. I warn you, we'll be having many verses tonight. John chapter 20, verse 30. John chapter 20, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus, did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Amen. Here's what the Apostle John says. He says that these things are, where, are, are written, but these are written, verse 31, these are written. I want you to notice the word written. Uh, this is the word of God, the written word of God, and that's what you have in the gospel tract. He says these were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, when someone reads a gospel tract and reads the scriptures, uh, those scriptures God gave them to us so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, we might have life. It has the potential to save souls. It really does. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, this will be the, the, the last verse in this series. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, this is a well-known verse. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the, uh, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. What, what this verse shows us is that the word of God brings conviction. It brings conviction upon the heart. Uh, as it ever happened to you, it showed, you know, that you read your Bible, and, and you begin to read your Bible, and you think, well, everything is okay in my Christian lives. And then suddenly, you know, the Bible becomes to show you things in your heart that you were not even aware of. And this is, this is what the Word of God does. And, and God says here, His Word is quick, which means alive. It is powerful like the hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. But then it is also sharper, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, I cannot tell you how many times I've tried to witness to folks, and they say, well, you know, I'm a good person. You know, I'm a good person. A lot of people, a lot of the, many of the lost people, they are lost because they think they're good. They just think there's nothing wrong with them. And they, and they don't realize that they are sinners against God. But it's amazing uh, how often when we share the gospel, suddenly the countenance of the person changed. You know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And when you begin to go through the Ten Commandments and you begin to show that person the word of God, suddenly, often I see the countenance change. 
because suddenly they realize uh, not everything is all right. You know, there's issues with the heart, and, and they, they need to deal with their own sins. They need forgiveness of sins. So the Word of God is powerful. So you say, Brother Patrick, you know, how is it that a gospel tract could accomplish that much? Well, because it contains the Word of God. Yes. That's why. And the Word of God is powerful. It never returns void. It's like water that comes down the earth. It, the earth always will get wet. Uh, it's like a sword that divides, and that searches the heart. The Word of God is powerful. That's why a gospel tract like this called, uh, called Save a Lady, who is today is a missionary. That's why a gospel tract like this uh, called Save Brother, Brother, Brother um, Westbrook, who is Tasmania today. He was saved by a gospel tract, gave his wit uh, the testimony here. That's why a gospel tract like this could save Brother Fives. And that's why a gospel tract like this uh, could save Brother Dale, who is a pastor in Georgia today. And that's why a gospel tract like this convicted my mother-in-law that she began to, she realized she was lost, and she began to seek to know Christ, to know God. And that's why, it could, it can, that's why all these things can happen, because the Word of God Amen. is powerful. Amen. Now, how did the tract work uh, in those cases, those examples that I mentioned earlier? Now, Mrs. Robinson told me herself that she was walking down the street. She was a teenager. And she was walking down the street, and she doesn't know who, she doesn't know what happened, but she was just walking down the street. Somebody gave her a track, and she grabbed the track, put it in her, she put it in her, in, in, in her purse or wallet, in her, in her purse, and she went home, and she read the track. At some point, not the same day, but at some point she read the track. And guess what happened? She got convicted. The Holy Spirit began to work in her heart, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. The gospel track. She doesn't know who gave her the track, she, she, she will probably never know until she gets into heaven. She should get to heaven. But it was a gospel track that brought her the gospel, and she got saved. Brother Dave Westbrook told a story here how he went to church. He wanted to get saved, and he went forward, and the pastor just kind of welcomed him into church without explaining, sharing with him how he should be saved. And he told us a story how he went home, and he was so upset that the pastor would not take the time to tell him how to be saved, and, and I remember he was standing here, and he said that he threw his Bible like this, right? And then suddenly, that piece of paper flew out of the Bible. And I'm sure at some point, somebody gave him a gospel track. You know, he put it into the Bible. He just forgot about it. But at the right time, the Holy Spirit brought it out. And he, he trusted Christ as his Savior Amen. through a gospel track. Um, how, did, how did Brother Fire, Brother Fire in, in Arkansas get saved? He told us the story. Uh, he was lost. He didn't care about God. He did not even think about God. He did not worry about his soul. And one day he came back home and he found a gospel tract on his door. <laughs> you know, somebody maybe was going so winning door to door and he was not home. He just left a gospel tract. And he took that gospel tract. He had no interest about salvation. He did not, he, his mind was not in eternity. He didn't care about it. And he said he took the gospel tract just threw it somewhere in the room. Two days later, his cousin died. And his cousin was like 18. He died, you know, he had a bike accident. And Brother Fai said that that thing really hit him because he realized that he could die anytime soon. And he wondered about his cousin. And so, and he looked at that piece of paper, and that piece of paper looked at him, you know. And he knew it was from the church. And so he began to read the gospel tract. And that's how Brother Fai got saved. Today that church supports more than 200 missionaries every year. 
And here's his amazing story. He became the pastor of the very church that left the truck at his door. <laughs> so by giving him a gospel truck, they didn't realize it, they were hiring the next pastor. You know, this is the power of a gospel truck. I think about Brother Dell. You know, Brother Dell, we went to his church. His church supports us in Georgia uh, today. And uh, Brother Dell told us that he was lost, and he was, you know, tough outside. But he had co-workers that will, they will go to the bathroom at work, and they will leave, uh, you know, cheek tracks <laughs> in the bathroom. And he said he will never tell, you know, outwardly, when they will try to witness to him, he will play the tough guy. You know, I'm not interested. I don't care. But every time he was in the bathroom, he would look at a gospel track, and he would read the cheek track. And he said he just kept reading them. And at a certain point, he just got so convicted that he went to one of his coworkers, asked him to tell him how to be saved. You see, this is the power of a gospel track. And so God, God uses and God has used gospel tracks to save many souls. Now, the truth is, uh, somebody might say, well, I'm weak. You know, I'm weak. I, I don't have time to go out. Or maybe I'm a housewife. So, you know, I'm with the kids all the time. I'm busy. You know, or maybe I have a job that is demanding. I, I don't know what it is. But somebody might say, well, this, you know, I, I just don't have time to go, you know, take an hour or two or whatever and pass out gospel tracts. Well, I have some good news for you. We all have opportunities to give tracts. We all do. We all do. Whether you're weak, whether you're sick, whether you work, you know, a lot, whether you work little, whether you're a housewife, whether you even as a teenager or a young child, everybody can give a try. Now, the greatest opportunities that we have are those that we encounter in the natural course of our lives. The truth is, when you, when you take a track and you go to a door, you know, you knock on the door and, and you say, hey, we are from Calvary Baptist Church and we're just visiting in the area and we're just wondering, you know, if you're going somewhere. You know, you know that person already has something raised, you know, protection. <laughs> because he already knows you are from church. He, you know, he's wondering the whole time, what does he want? What does he want? Because he knows that at some point you, try, you will try to say something about church. So the truth is, when you knock on somebody's doors, it's a little bit harder because he knows what you're getting to, right? He's prepared. But when you go to Walmart, you know, and you just walk down the street, that means he, he's not winning anything. Or maybe uh, the cashier at the store, you see. Um, uh, she's not expecting it. And so she, oftentimes, you know, they will just hit, it will just hit them out of the blue because they don't see it coming, you see. And so the best opportunities we really have to witness are the opportunities that we encounter every day. When we walk down the street, when we go to Walmart, when we go uh, shopping, do our groceries, when we go to the doctor's office, the hospital, when we have service technicians coming to your home, even if you're homebound, maybe somebody goes to install the internet or the water, whatever it is, uh, we have opportunities everywhere. And uh, public restrooms like Brother Dell, right? <laughs> God, God, God is right in the restrooms because he will find those tracks in the restrooms and read them. And uh, so we have opportunities everywhere. And just, just by living our lives, it doesn't take extra time. Just by living our lives, we get opportunity. How many people have you met today that you probably will never meet again? How many? Just, just try to think about your day. How many people have you met today that you will probably never meet again? You see? And we meet them every day. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, here's what the scripture says. He says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, 
nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But then he says it, but time and chance happeneth to them all. You know, what the scripture says is that we all have the same opportunities. You know, the pastor doesn't have more opportunity than you do. He doesn't. He says time and chance happeneth to them all. And so we all have opportunities to pass the gospel. Now here are some benefits of distribution or giving out gospel tracts. You know, the distribution of tracts generally, and I already said this, do not interfere with any other duty. I mean, if you, and, and my wife and I, we found this out on deputation because we travel quite a bit, so, so and, and we have meetings all the time. It doesn't interfere with anything. It doesn't matter what you do in church. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if you're healthy, if you're young or old. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if you're too busy. Because you, you do have to buy grocery, don't you? <laughs> you do have to pump gas in your car, don't you? And so, when you pump gas, you have time to give at least three gospel tracts. You know, the man who is on the other side. And, and, and especially since we started traveling, God just began to show me how many opportunities I had. Because I was, I was a little bit down that I could not go on schedule soul winning. You know, like I used to do the last 15 years or maybe 20. It's been a long time. But God began to realize that I meet people everywhere. So that if you stop at a gas station, the man that is putting gas on the other side, you can even walk just five steps and say, hey, can you read this? He will tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Or if you're at a grocery store, you can, you know, when you get your, th- your, uh, your, your grocery bag, you can give this to the cashier and say, hey, will you read this? He will tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. We, we have so many opportunities. And so one benefit of track distribution is that it does not interfere with anything else you do. It doesn't matter if you're busy. You always meet people. <laughs> always. And so you can give them a gospel track. A benefit number two is that with the, advan- with the, with the uh, uh, advancement in printing, tracks are really inexpensive. Very inexpensive. We can get, with $7, this is a lunch, right? How much did your lunch course cost today? How much did it cost? With $7, we can get 140 gospel tracts. Now, if, if you give one gospel tract a person a day, <laughs> it takes $14, well, maybe, maybe 21 to give a tract to one person every day of your life. Three meals, three lunch. You know, they're in- inexpensive. So benefit number one is that it doesn't affect your schedule because you meet people every day. Benefit number two is that they are really inexpensive. The benefit number three is that it helps you to remain soul conscious. You see, when, you know, you know our life is like a roller coaster, right? You know, maybe we got a great mission conference. Maybe we got a, you know, whatever. And we're we just thinking about souls. You know, every person you meet, you're thinking that person will spend eternity somewhere. Man, a month later, it's gone. <laughs> you don't think about it anymore. You know, you meet people and you don't think about the fact that they're going to die. And that they're going to spend eternity somewhere. You know, Jesus spoke about the rich man and Lazarus. And he said there was a certain man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he faced sumptuously every day. And the scripture says that it, it came to pass that the beggar died and he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosoms. And then it says, Jesus says, and the rich man also died 
But then what happened? In hell, he lifted up his eyes. You see, the rich man right now as you sit in church, he's in hell tonight. He's in hell. Every person you meet, every person you meet has a never dying soul. That person will spend eternity somewhere. And the fact that we forget about it doesn't change anything to the fact that they're going to die and spend eternity somewhere. But yet, you might be the only born-again Christian that that person will ever meet in his life. You might be the only one. You never know. And so we have an opportunity to witness the souls. So it, it, helps, it, helps keeps, it, it helps keep you soul conscious to think about men as souls, whether they be cashiers or, or people who are just putting gas in the tank, to, to remember that they have a soul. And then a benefit number four is that even children can get involved. <laughs> you see, a child, you know, maybe eight years old, if, if the child is saved, he may not be able to go to a door and knock on the door and witness. But I tell you what a child can do. You can give, it, you can give this to your child and say, hey, we give that track to the guy. Now, there's another advantage with that, and I've witnessed this with our own eyes. People are more likely to receive <laughs> a track from a child than an adult. It really is. You know, because, oh, he's so cute. You know, it just, you know, it just works. So, so even children, you know, ch- even children can get involved. Even children can get involved. And that's another benefit of the gospel track. Now, you say, but Patrick, you know, uh, and I like to give you three points. These are actually the points of the message, and we're done. Um, you know, what shall we do with this message? First of all, we need to be prepared. In Psalm 30, verse 25, the Bible says, The ants are the people not strong, yet they prepare their meats in the summer. So uh, you, you need to find a good website, and I'm sure a preacher can help you with that. Um, but find a place or maybe church tracks that you can, you can get church tracks, put in your hands, and you need to, to, to stock your house and your car. You know, if, if you use your car all the time, just stock your car. <laughs> that's, why we, that's what we begin to do when God began to show me this. Just stock your car and stock your house. If a service technician comes, give him a track. You know, if you stop at a gas station, you just carry a track. You go to the restaurant, you don't have to worry about it. You know the track is always somewhere. So you've got to be prepared. You've you got to make sure you always have tracks with you. And uh, secondly... Uh, not only we need to be prepared, we need to be prayerful. We need to be prayerful. Now ask God to use the track to save souls before you hand them out. You know, you just, 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 throw, just lift a prayer to heaven. You know, before you give it even to the cashier, you just pray in your heart and say, God, please use this. Use this to save her. You know, pray that she will read it. Pray that God will work in her heart. And you can do that every time you give her a track. So we need to be prayerful. We need to be prepared. We need to be prayerful. Uh, when we were driving back from Texas um, yeah, uh, on Monday, uh, two days ago, uh, we stopped at a gas station, and, you know, since God began to show me this on deputation, you know, I just, you know, while the gas is, you know, I'm putting gas in the, in the tank, you know, it takes like two minutes, so it's plenty of time, right? So I just walk across, you know, the, the, the pump, and, and, I, and I met a young man, he was in his car, and I said, hey, will you please read this? He'll tell you how you can know for sure you go to heaven. Now, here's what he said. He said, thank you. He said, thank you very much. He said, I've, you know, something, you know, my life is a mess. That's what he told me. And he said, that's, um, thank you so much. He said, that's why I got baptized yesterday. So he got baptized on Sunday. And, and he told me that he had heard a lot of people. He knows he has a lot of sins. And he just wanted to give his life to God. That, 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 that these were his own terms. So I asked him, 
I said, uh, do you know for sure if you die, you go to heaven? I know you're baptized, but do you know for sure? He said, I don't. He had never heard the gospel. But, but here's the point. He's already convicted because he, he realized that there were a lot of sins in his life. And he just thought, and maybe that's what the church teaches, I don't know, that if he gets baptized, uh, somehow he'll make things right. But he doesn't. And I had the opportunity to tell him that baptism won't forgive your sins. And, 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 and this track will tell you how you can know for sure. Good. You go to heaven. And so God will give us opportunities like that. He will send people our way that are ready and that, and, and that are ready to receive the gospel. So be prepared, be prepared, be, be prayerful, but also be patient. Be patient. And here's one thing about the gospel track, is that you cannot take the glory. <laughs> right? You can't. Right? If you, if you knock on the door, and, and this is what we should do, you lead a man to Christ, and that person got saved, you know, you might come to church and say, hey, I have a, you know, I have a praise on Wednesday night. Hey, pastor, I have a praise. Well, I led somebody to Christ. Everybody says, amen, brother, amen. And you feel like, man, I'm not that bad, you know. And it's possible. I mean, it does happen. It does happen. But, but with a track, you have to be patient. Why? Because you probably will never know the people who get saved through a track. You probably never met them. And so you have to be patient. You have to trust God and just keep doing it. You just have to trust God and keep doing it. Just give it by faith. Uh, you have to be patient. And uh, James chapter 4 verse 6, But he gave it more grace, wherefore he said, God resisted the proud, but give it grace to the humble. Now I'd like to close with this, and I'll, and I'll, try, I'll try to read as fast as I can. As fast as I can. This is a true story. And some of you may have heard this, but this is a true story. And this is a contemporary account. So it all started a number of years ago in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in South London. The Sunday morning service was closing, and a man stood up at the back and raised his hand and said, Excuse me, Pastor, can I share a short testimony? The pastor looked at his watch and said, You have, you have three minutes. So the man proceeded with the story. I just moved into the area. I used to live in Sydney, Australia. And just a few months back, I was visiting some relatives, and I was walking down the George Street. And you know where George Street is in Sydney, going from the business area to the colonial area. And a strange little white-haired man stepped out from the sh a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand, and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? You see, I was astounded by these words. No one has ever asked me that. I thanked him courteously. And all the way home to London, this puzzled me. I called a friend, and thank God he was a Christian, and he led me to Christ. Now, the Baptist pastor, so that means this is a pastor in London, he flew to Adelaide, Australia, the next week. And ten days later, in the middle of a three-day series in a Baptist church in Adelaide, a woman came up to him for some counseling. Now, he wanted to establish first where she stood with Christ. So she said, I used to live in Sydney, and just a couple of months back, I was visiting some friends in Sydney, doing some last-minute shopping down George Street. A, a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway and offered me a pamphlet and said, Excuse me, madam, are you safe? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? When I got home to Adelaide, I knew this Baptist church was on the next block from, my, from me, and I sought out the pastor and he led me to Christ. Now the London pastor was now very puzzled. Twice in a week he had heard the same testimony. 
He then flew to preach in Mount Pleasant Church in Perth, Australia. Uh, when his teaching series was over, the senior, the senior elder of the church took him out for a meal, and he asked the elder how he got saved. I grew up in this church from age 15. I never made a commitment to Jesus. I just hoped on the, on the bandwagon like everybody else. Because of my business ability, I grew up uh, to a place of influence. I was on a business trip. Where? To Sydney, Australia. Uh, just three years ago, an, an obnoxious, uh, spiteful little man stepped out of a door or a, of a shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, and accosted me with a question. Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? I tried to tell him that I was a Baptist elder, but he wouldn't listen to me. I was seething with anger all the way home from Sydney to Perth. I told my pastor, and he led me to Jesus just three years ago. Now, the following week, this London pastor flew to a convention in the Caribbean for missionaries. He shared the same testimonies, all these testimonies. And at the close of his teaching, three missionaries came forward and said that they had also been saved between 15 and 25 years earlier by the same little testimony. They were asked the same question on that very same street in Sydney, George Street. Now, next, he stopped to Atlanta, Georgia to speak at a naval chaplain, com chaplain convention here for three days. He spoke to over a thousand naval chaplains. Afterwards, the chaplain general took him for a meal, and he asked the chaplain how he became a Christian. And the chaplain says, I was raging on a naval battleship, and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercise in the South Pacific, and we docked at Sydney Harbor for replenishment. We hit King's Cross at a vengeance. With a vengeance, I was blind, I was blind drunk, got on the wrong bus, and got off where? George Street. As I got off the bus, I thought I saw a ghost as this man jumped out in front of me, pushed a pamphlet in my hand, and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? The fear of God hit me immediately. I sought out the cha chaplain, and he led me to Christ. Now, eight months later, this London pastor, and he's the one telling the story, uh, he was preaching in Sydney, and he found a pastor who knew. When he told the story, the pa he, found, he, was, he just searched for him, and he found his pastor. And the pastor told him that that man's name was Frank Jenner. And so they went, so the London pastor and the pastor in Sydney, they went to meet him in his little apartment. He was already very old, and he, and he couldn't get out of the house, so he was just homebound. And uh, now to make a long story short, here were the words of Frank Jenner. He said, when I got saved, I was so grateful to God. I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least 10 people a day. In my retirement years, the best place was on St. George Street, where I saw hundreds of people a day. I got lots of rejections, but a lot of people cautiously took the track. In 40 years of doing this, I never heard of one single person coming to Jesus until today. Now, Frank Jenner is already in heaven. But he said the, the reason he handed out gospel tracts so faithfully for 40 years was because he was saved, because he was grateful, and because he wanted other people to know Jesus. Now, my question to you is, are you saved? Are you grateful? Do you want others to know Jesus?